Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1301, air date August 29th, 2023. He now wants to serve America as its president beyond left and right, to educate its citizens to deliver solutions across healthcare, environment, education, innovation, government, and the economy. More importantly, Dr. Shiva is one of us, not one of them. Neither a lawyer, nor lobbyist, nor politician. Everyone, please give a huge welcome to Dr. Shiva. Hello, how are you? How are you, how are you doing? I am doing great. Oh, good. I'm glad we were able to connect and thank you for the opportunity to reach your audience. It's, a, it's an honor. Thank you so much for coming on. So I hear that... Uh, I think you and I share stomping grounds here, given that both of us have worked at MIT. Oh, I didn't know that. Where'd you work? Which department? Engineering and physics. Oh, really? With who? Yeah, yeah. I worked in engineering, uh, the Department of Materials and, and Science, and also chemical engineering. So I worked for both of those departments at the same time. Yeah. And then I worked in the physics academic services office. Yeah, so, so course three, course eight, and then course yep. 10, if I remember those numbers right. Yeah. Yeah. For people who don't know, uh, different departments at MIT are listed by number. So that's that's an MIT thing yeah. <laughs> for people wondering, like, yeah. what? <laughs> course three is material science. Course 10 is chemical engineering. Course eight is physics. Yeah. So. Yep. So, Dr. Shiva, um, I remember a while back you challenged uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, when she was running for reelection for the U.S. Senate. And I particularly remember during the debate that Elizabeth Warren had with uh, Jeff uh, Deal, which I believe he went on to run for governor uh, as well. I remember there were protesters at that debate and they said, let Shiva debate. Could you explain to everyone, number one, why did you choose to run for Senate and why did they prevent you from being on the debate stage? Right. So let's start with the first question. You know, I uh, should I call you Sabrina or Sabi? What's the right way to address you? You can call me Sabrina. Yeah. So Sabrina, let me give you the background. You know, I never believed in electoral politics ever because and and we'll talk about that because, you know, in 19. But I've always been a ground activist. I always believe in uh, building bottoms up movements. When I first came to MIT in 1981, um, you know, my good friends, because of my background, were essentially poor white working people, uh, the Hispanics at MIT and blacks, very few of them at that time. So uh, a good friend of mine, Arnold Contreras, who passed away, another uh, who was the head of the Hispanic Students Club called La Lucha. Uh, Sam Austin went up to become a preacher, who was head of the Black Students Union, and myself. Um, you know, I had run for office for the MIT uh, Students Body President. And at that time, you may remember in the early 80s, there was a guy called Jesse Jackson running. OK, he was sort of the Bernie, you know, the, the Bernie Sanders shill of the time. And but we didn't know this at the time. So I learned a very early lesson in 1984. If people go look at it, a guy called Ronald Reagan was running as a Republican and a guy called Walter Mondale was running as a Democrat. And there was this other guy, Jesse Jackson, who was presenting himself as anti-establishment. OK, and he was creating what's called this rainbow movement. And, you know, he was Jesse was speaking all the rhetoric. Right. You know, we're going to fight the establishment. Da, 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 da. Anyway, so we were all excited, right? We were all, you know, you know, young idealist kids who came from working class backgrounds that, you know, suffered injustice. And, um, you know, people like Arnold, MIT let in very few Hispanics and they wanted minorities to fail. 
because um, they wanted to set forward the thing. See, these people are dumb. They can't make it. See, they can't fail. Forgetting that the inner cities never uh, put in the infrastructure, which was what, what the original goal of the civil rights movement was, right? Which was, um, you know, essentially hijacked by the Kennedys and Martin Luther King. We can talk more about that, right? People like Malcolm X were actually made invisible. But anyway, none of that, you know, I, I understood that at that point. So, but what Jesse Jackson ended up doing was he had all these people thinking he was building a movement. And at the last minute on the floor of the Democratic Convention, he gives all of his votes to Walter Mondale, you know, talking this nonsense about the lesser of two evils and gives a speech. And I heard through the grapevine that he was given a private plane for that. That was a deal that was made, right? Jesse would get, you know, was paid off. But anyway, what I, what me and all my activist friends realized was that you have the wings, the, the shoulders of the establishment, in this case, Reagan on the right and Mondale on the left, right? But the establishment cannot fly without its wings yapping stuff once in a while, right? To keep the masses entertained. So Jesse, and at that time, people like the Democratic Socialists of America or ACORN, where the wing of the left, right? Saying enough stuff to keep people excited. So, but, you know, they would even attack Mondale, but at the last minute, they corral all these people like sheep back into the one wing. The Tea Party was the equivalent on the right, right? So anyway, so I never wanted to vote because I realized these guys are all scumbags, but I believe uh, my study of history showed it was always bottoms up movements on the ground, you know, passing out flyers, you know? So after that, we ended up developing our own two-page flyer leaflet and we challenged the entire you know the uh school newspaper we got we became more popular with our two-page flyer than the school newspaper which was funded um by you know the administration and we would attack everyone right but we were always beyond left and right etc so anyway i never believed in these uh, electoral processes you can look at my whole history uh, and we'll talk more about that but um, in 2016, I had, uh, sorry, yeah, 2016, I had just, you know, 2007, I'd finished my PhD in a, in a, a great field called systems biology, you know, course uh, 20, which MIT created in 2003. Went back to India on a Fulbright because I was very interested in ancient systems of medicine. And for two years, I made some very interesting discoveries. Came back, started a new company called Cytosolve, where we had created a technology to eliminate animal testing and um, was teaching a course at MIT in traditional medicines and systems biology. So that's around 2010, 11. Um, and uh, then my stuff went into the Smithsonian for the invention of email, which I never talked about, created all this hoopla because I wasn't the kind of guy that they expected would create email in Newark, New Jersey. And I had to go through this entire vicious, Frank was driven by racism. Because the, fa the facts are so obvious that I invented email before I came to MIT. The issue was they wanted to put forward this nonsense that a white dude who was part of the military industrial academic establishment had created it. So anyway, I started seeing what I call the caste system in the United States. I grew up in India, which had a caste system, you know, a grammatical caste system of a few people thinking they knew better. And here I was noticing this caste system in the United States, the fact that a 14-year-old kid in Newark could not invent email and the facts were black and white. And that's when I saw Elizabeth Warren running. And here's a woman who knows nothing about anything about everyday working people, minorities, and she had claimed that she was Native American. Now, it had nothing to do with even her race, but the fundamental issue is she had used race, which was really designed for 
actual racism, you know, for her advancement. And so I decided to run uh, against her. But we knew, Sabrina, that we had to create a movement, right? Because it was right. all about creating a movement. It wasn't about, okay, I'm going to run and, you know, it would be illusion to think that you're going to beat this Democrat machine. But we thought the Republicans would embrace me. I mean, am I not what the Republicans talk about? Pulling yourself up from, from your bootstraps, bottoms up. But they promoted this fool, Jeff Deal. Yep. So it's a, excuse, I don't know if I can curse here, but is a complete, <laughs> he's a complete fucking moron, okay? He can barely talk. And uh, instead of embracing me, they promoted him and sort of made me an outcast. So we decided to run as independents. And if you look at that time, we you couldn't get out of Massachusetts without seeing a sign. Maybe, John, you could bring one of them here, which said only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. In fact, we had a bus, which, you know, I have my building here in Cambridge, which said only the real Indian can def and we, uh, defeat the fake Indian. We had this huge banner on the bus. I get a letter from the city of Cambridge saying, oh, you must remove that banner from the bus. It's violating building codes. It's not on my building. It's on my bus. So anyway, I take them to federal court on my own. We sue them and um, they drop the case. OK, so we win that. But the reality was, here's a woman who frankly knows nothing about the real injustices that take place to people of color. And she was assuming this and got all of the accolades or whatever, even her entrance into Harvard out of that. So that slogan became very interesting because we would hand out flyers at you know Whole Foods, you know the Whole Foods over in Fresh Pond, right? Which yep. typically the people who go there all look like Elizabeth Warren. And we would hand out a flyer, a card which said, and, and, or we would collect signatures, right? We had to collect, by the way, 20,000 signatures to get on the ballot. And this will lead to the, the, the issue with what occurred with the debate. Now, so I'm running as an independent. This doofus deal, dirty deal we called him, is running as a, uh, as a uh, what is it, as a Republican, and Elizabeth Warren as Democrat. Now, in order for an independent to get on the ballot, you need to collect 20,000 signatures individually of people that want to nominate you. And we actually went and collected those signatures. By the way, we never saw Jeff Deal or Elizabeth Warren's people ever collecting signatures. So I'm convinced they have a backroom sweatshop. They just forge signatures. This is my conclusion. Because we never saw them ever out there, Sabrina. We were out there every day. And we collected close to 30,000 signatures, right? Because we knew they would try to keep us off um, the ballot. Anyway, but what was interesting was when people would go into Whole Foods, we would park our bus at the other end of the parking lot. So, you know, as you're walking and you wouldn't see it. So these people would see this dark face. Oh, yeah, of course I want a dark man running for office. So they'd happily sign being the good liberals that they were. And then when they came out, they would see the bus with this only the real Indian can defeat the fake. And they'd, they'd say, wait a minute. Right. And they call me a racist. Fascinating. So a white person who looks like Elizabeth Warren, who had just signed my signature thinking I was a good, you know, darkie that they can support. When they came out, they saw me putting this politically, quote unquote, incorrect slogan. And they would say, oh, we want the signature off the ballot. It's just hilarious. Right. Sometimes police came. It was it was freaking hilarious. Right. And they would call me a racist. I said, I'm a racist. I said, you're the one who's a racist. I go, what do you mean? I'm not a racist. I say, yeah, you are. Because she used race to make her advancements. That, do you understand that's real racism? Exploiting race for your own financial and personal advancement. That's racism. That's the real racism. You know, what they do. And when you fight for the racism that occurs to you, 
you know, the right wing puts that down. You see, so the right wing denies that there's racism and the left wing uses a pale version of racism. You see, so unless you've been through this, you don't understand this nuance, right? So anyway, we got on the ballot. Now, by law, I'm supposed to be on the debate stage. Right. These people are so freaking afraid of putting someone like me on, Democrats and Republicans, both the Republican and the Democrat Party colluded to make sure I wouldn't get on the debate stage. So we, when we went to that debate, you know, I had to do a protest in front of WBZ, right? Um, and I did a sit-in. And then uh, my dad actually did a sit-in in Elizabeth Warren, my 83-year-old dad. I mean, this was absolutely freaking illegal what they did. But Democrats and Republicans colluded to keep me off the debate stage. I then filed a lawsuit. We went and got a lawyer. Now, we, it's called viewpoint discrimination. Remember, UMass is a public government-owned institution. A private institution could decide to keep me off, but a public institution can't because it's violation of the First Amendment of viewpoint. My own lawyer, it turned out that when he, that he was uh, a big Paul Ryan uh, uh, supporter, and he actually threw my lawsuit. He, we should have won it. So we always dealt with all this nonsense because we were independent. And, you know, the Republicans or Democrats always see, oh, he's independent. Why should we support him? But anyway, right. we learned a big lesson because, um, well, I mean, the lesson was that, you know, these people do not like independent movements, right? Because they always want you in their box. So that was the Elizabeth Warren. I mean, there's a picture of me. I went to a uh, event out in the Berkshires where Elizabeth Warren was doing an event with uh, Whoopi Goldberg, right? So all these and all the people going and were, were all these you know, your uh, earthy, crunchy granola white people, right? Across the road, we were holding up a sign called, you know, stop racist Warren. And they're like, what are you calling her a racist? Like it doesn't, they have, they, it doesn't compute what we're calling her racist, but it's to me, it's obvious she's a racist. So as I'm saying, I said, look, if you guys want to know about racism, why don't you come over here and I'll lecture you about what is real racism. So one old white guy with a fascinating, with a t-shirt that says liberal, comes over and he hits me. It's a, it's, it's a very powerful thing. I have my megaphone and he's hitting me in, the megaphone represents speech. He's hitting me and saying, she's not a racist. She goes, I have a son-in-law who's black. That was his definition. So um, he gets brought in by the cops, right, the cops. And then Elizabeth Warren invites him back into the VIP seats. So the contradictions here are quite extraordinary, right? I'm the guy who's actually comes bottoms up, is actually, we got all of our signatures. We did everything by meritocracy and both parties made sure we wouldn't get on the debate stage, right? They knew I would have knocked their socks off. So anyway, the next year, 2020 is, so anyway, that that's the answer to your question. I keep going, but that was what happened, you know? So our supporters, we my, we we went and got to the next the next debate that was taking place. We went and got like there were you know I think the room held a hundred debate uh, seats you know audience. We went at five in the morning, and our people packed it, and we got all the tickets. Legitimately, we got the tickets, and they did not allow us to even our audience to go into the debate room. Some people got in, and that's what you saw people saying it led Dr. Shiva debate, and then the cops yeah. took them out. But this is how entrenched both parties are. They do not want independent people coming bottoms up. They do not want to give them any exposure or limelight. 
And when you look at a place like Massachusetts, 5.5, and this is very similar to other states, 5.5 million people are eligible to vote. Out of that 5.5 million, only 4.2 million registered to vote, which means 1.3 million people don't even bother. They don't even believe in the system. Out of that 4.2 million people registered to vote, only half of them vote, 2.1 million. And out of that 2.1 million people, 10% are Republicans, which means 210,000 people. 30% are Democrats, which means 600,000 people. And the remaining are independents. Yeah. And so if you split that in half, which means less than 1 million people out of a total of 5 million people are determining who gets power, right? So this is how things are happening. And in our election, we brought out a lot of dark matter. We're the ones who forced the idiot to take the DNA test. I sent her a DNA test kit. She returned it. it, was, it was, we had a lot of fun with that, right? Uh, it wasn't Trump. I did that. Trump then tried to take credit for it. In 2020, uh, Sabrina, we decided to run. We said, okay, we'll run as Republicans because we didn't need to go to the state convention that year. We had to collect again, 20,000 signatures. And if you remember in 2020, it was when COVID was taking place. We actually collected all 25,000 signatures because our people went on the ground, collected them. And this time the Republicans, again, hate me. They decide to run a guy. The only thing they had was a guy with the last name O'Connor. That's all they had. That was their weapon. This isn't a primary. We had 3,000 volunteers. You know, we had, I mean, you couldn't leave Massachusetts without seeing these big signs, Dr. Shiva. We'd raise $2 million, bucks, $1, $5 donations. We were everywhere. You know, 25,000 lawn signs, 10,000 bumper stickers. And this other guy didn't have anything. And that's, and I never believed, by the way, Sabrina, in election fraud. Some people said, Dr. Shiva, the only way you're going to lose this primary is if they cheat you. I said, that doesn't occur. Like, you know, it was like the back of my mind, but not real. And on September 1st, 2020, the results come in and I win in Franklin County where it's all hand counted paper ballots by 10 points. And in every other place it was 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40. And that was September 1st. And then the next seven days, I couldn't believe it. I started learning everything I could about how the election systems in this country worked. And I found out 50 years ago, a Democrat majority had passed a rule called 52 USC 20701, which supported audits of elections because they knew, you know, minorities were getting screwed, you know, um, and they wanted to make sure you could audit an election. And so a Democrat majority approved, were very supportive of audits. And one of those rules in 52 USC 20701 is that for a federal election, all records must be preserved for 22 months. Okay. All records. Now, Remember, except for Franklin County, all the other counties use these machines. When you put a paper ballot like this into a machine, you know, it gets scanned. Yeah. The machine takes a picture of it. It's called a ballot image. That ballot image is what is stored on the hard disk. And the ballot image is what is analyzed by the AI on the machine to say, oh, one vote for Sabrina, one vote for Dr. Shiva, right, et cetera. Now, by law, those ballot images have to be saved because that's a record that's created in connection with the federal election. So I had found out in a manual of the Diebold voting manual that there is a feature that they put into these voting machines called a weighted race feature. What is this feature? It's a feature that's in the voting machine. So if you got a thousand votes, Sabrina, let's say you and I are running against each other and I got a thousand votes, the feature allows to weight your race. 
You get two votes for every vote you got. I get 0.5 votes, half of the vote for every vote I got. So it's not one person, one vote, which is a very famous ruling, right? You know, for equality, um, you know, the whole gerrymandering stuff that took place many years ago. So that means you would get 2,000 votes and I'd get 500 votes. And that feature was put into the voting machines because many of these voting machines are sold to um, stock, you know, companies who do corporate stock uh, votes, right? So you may have, or for condominium associations, you may own a 2,000 square foot apartment. I may own a 1,000 square foot apartment. So for voting on something for maintenance, you get two votes to my one vote. That makes sense, right? Because you have more square footage. But those features were left in voting machines. So I use my mathematics background and I, I did a statistical analysis and I showed there's no way that this voting pattern could have occurred. Um, so I went to the Secretary of State. You may know this woman, Michelle Tassinari, who is the general counsel um, to the guy who's called the Prince of Darkness, right? Bill Galvin, William Galvin is the Secretary of State. And I said, look, I want those ballot images. And I gave them my FOIA, which is a, a public records request. I went with a video camera and, and they're gloating behind the window. They're saying, oh, we don't save those images. We deleted them. We don't have to even preserve them. So anyway, I officially give my letter. I said, you have 10 days to answer this public records request. 10 business days goes by and they never answer it. So I write an email saying you're violating law if you don't respond to it right now. And that was September 24th. Now, you got to understand, we had moved our campaign. You remember, Sabrina, to a write-in campaign. We didn't get right. Right. So we went. So we're still bona fide U.S. Senate federal candidates running and our volunteers distributed about two million of these cards. I don't have them. Yeah, there were these kind of cards. OK, um, they were like this. Two million of these cards we distributed everywhere. <laughs> two million cards, which said stop election fraud. Uh, she, Dr. Shiva for Senate write in. And so I'm still running. I'm on Twitter, which is the platform for politics. Right. And I have, you know, I would do a tweet and I'd get 30,000 retweets. That's how much traction I had. My followers were real. So when I, I, so I tweet out, I said, Massachusetts deleted ballot images. Because in the communications I have with the Secretary of State, I said, where are the ballot images? We don't have to send them to you. I, can, I said, show me the law. She doesn't write back the law. She gives me something else. I said, you violated federal law. Those four emails... And I do a tweet, never been thrown off Twitter. I said, Massachusetts violated federal law, deleted over 1 million ballot images, which they had done. They're admitting that. Well, I get thrown off Twitter within 24 hours. Yeah, I, rem I, rem I remember all of I remember that because I know that Twitter has been, especially back during that time, um, they, they were heavily targeting people who would make even that type of statement. Um, and the same thing with Jill Stein. Jill Stein used to get a lot of traction on Twitter. And then it was like a couple years ago, they started to suppress her as well. But I remember this happening. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so, so what you have to understand is, but I was saying a factual statement, ballot images were deleted. So when I get thrown off, you know, they have these fake fact checking companies, which the social media companies hired to validate. Oh, we threw them off because and that fake fact-checking company says ballots were never deleted. I never said ballots. I said ballot images. And then they said, you know, Dr. You know, Shiva was thrown off and we contacted the Secretary of State. So there were, And this was in Reuters, I believe. And, the, and they said the Secretary of State told us they 
the government, that's what the Secretary of State is, had contacted Twitter to silence Dr. Shiva. So think about what I'm saying. It wasn't Twitter did this on their own. The government, first time in history, the government contacts a social media company to silence a political candidate who was criticizing government. This is a foundation of the First Amendment. Political speech is the most protected form. We're supposed to be able to say stuff against the kings, against this government, right? That's why we have the First Amendment. So I knew I had a First Amendment lawsuit. I couldn't find any lawyer, Sabrina. All these guys are pussies, okay? Because they all want to be friendly with the government so they get their deals. So I had to file the lawsuit on my own. I'm never in federal court. So I filed the lawsuit, uh, you know, saying this is a First Amendment violation. Now, that's a lawsuit. Now, something even harder to get in front of the court is something called a preliminary injunction, which is a preliminary injunction. Is, uh, acronym is called a PI, where you're telling the court, hey, your honor, not only do I have a First Amendment case, but I need you to act on this now because this is now September 25th, right? I'm still running. Like, I need to be back on Twitter. That's how I raise money. That's how I get the word out. I'm off the most important platform. Well, the judge decides to accept our hearing, which is unheard of. Judges do not like PI hearings because if they accept a PI hearing, they have to, they're doing it because they believe you have a meritorious lawsuit. That's the only reason. So I go into court, I think in mid-October, October 10th, I inform this fool, fucker Carlson, who claims, you know, the right wing guy who talks a big game, friends with Hunter Biden, right? Hunter Biden wrote his son, his recommendation letter. So they're all part of the swarm. Um, and I thought, wow, this guy should be involved. He claims he's a First Amendment guy, right? Nothing. OK, no call. And I've talked to him before. And then I go into court by myself facing three Harvard lawyers from the secretary of state. And the judge had me, I have to address a very important uh, thing called the Blum test, which is something I guess people learn in law school. And I hadn't learned it, but I had done the homework and I had write, written a pretty good brief. And the judge had me argue that. The Blum test is to show that this was state action, that Twitter didn't do it on its own. It was compelled by government to do it, right? And that's a violation of the, Twitter could throw me off because they have first amendment rights too. But right. I argued that successfully and the judge was quite impressed. The attorney general, who's a Harvard trained lawyer from the secretary of state, Adam Hornstein, he thought he, he, this case was done. He didn't even bother preparing for it. So the judge reams him out. He goes, this guy's not even a lawyer and you're not even prepared. You know, what kind of lawyer are you? That kind of thing. And people can go read the transcripts. Anyway, so that takes place. So I proved the theoretical framework that had a lawsuit. And then we start cross-examining the social media director of the secretary of state's office because we wanted to find out how I was thrown off. This is critical. So, so the judge says, so what happened? She goes, oh, we saw him putting out these tweets saying ballots were being deleted. And then, the, which was not true. I said ballot images, right? She left out the word images. And the judge says, what did you do? She goes, well, we were very upset. So what did you do? Oh, we contacted Twitter. And he goes, oh, how did you do that? Oh, we have a portal. And he goes, what do you mean? A portal? Right. He goes, we have a VIP portal, a special portal for government has exclusive access to Twitter. Now, violation, of, I mean, First Amendment, it's like red flag, red flag, you know? And he well, can we, can we can we come back to that? Because I actually have, that leads us into the Twitter files. 
Um, but I just, I have a quick question. I want to get into like your campaign really quick. Um, I noticed like your campaign video, there was something that you pointed out and I showed this to my audience and I I think people need to pay close attention to this. I want to show this really quick. This part here, when you mentioned the establishment and the people who we thought were not a part of the establishment, but they still simped for it. I just want to play this little part right here. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not so obvious establishment across left and right. We were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers. So it's this part here, this part when you said we were sold out by the establishment and you showed, let me silence it really quick. You showed uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And I think this is the part that I tried to stress to my audience. Yeah. I said, no, this is not just Hillary and Trump. You also called out Bernie Sanders. And I want to hear from you. Why did you consider Bernie Sanders to be the establishment? Great question. Okay. Sabrina, I'm so glad we're doing this. Okay. Because this is the heart of why there has been so much suffering in the United States and the world. And the heart of that, you know, I'll put up this diagram, which you may have seen. See that diagram there? You know what that diagram is? That diagram, that red line is a life expectancy rate of U.S. people over the last 70 years. You so, see how the red line is going downward? Mm-hmm. And, and the other is the other industrialized nations. If you use this as one performance indicator, and remember, this is from 1970. Well, you had Jimmy Carter. You had Reagan, you had the Bushes, you had the Clintons, you had the Obamas, you had the Trumps, you have the Bidens, Democrat and Republican. This graph, no one wants to talk about it except me because I understand biology, I understand health. It's something I'm dedicated to. That means a life expectancy, and probably it's worse for minorities, okay, or worse for poor people, is going down like this. It's a parabola going down. That means the policies of all of these characters, the swarm, as I call it, a multi-racial, decentralized, bourgeois group of Brahmins, right? The modern day Brahmins has been screwing over everyday working people, black, white, everyone, okay? All all races. And it's their policies. And, the, and it's not any one thing. It's not the vaccine, right? It's all these, oh, it's a vaccine. No, it has to do with Obamacare. It has to do with the vaccine. It has to do with poison. It has to do with the fact we have the... Income inequality puts so much stress on people's lives and relationships. We know the number one reason people live long, number one reason, is because of close family ties. Um, and and show, community, way beyond food and everything. So I want to point that out. Now, that goes back to 1980. Goes back to what? Jesse Jackson. So what did I learn as a 17-year-old kid? That the establishment, if you have the head of the establishment, it has the two shoulders, Reagan, Mondale, right? Bushes, right? Clintons. But it has the wings. It created the wings. It was a technology they created. They created the wings to flap. Sometimes Bernie Sanders would say shit against Clinton, right? But he's still their boy. He just says enough. You know, and that's what democratic socialists was. They're the social Democrats that, you know, the Bolsheviks and the Leninists and the revolutionaries talked about, right? Many, many years ago, if you look at theory, the democratic socialists are the flappers or wings who just say enough to keep the masses entertained. 
Now, I, that's political theory. See, I learned that as a 17-year-old. And that's what I got. That's why it's very important to study political theory. It's like you have to understand the laws of physics. Like, you know, we study at MIT. Once you understand Newton's laws, then you can go build an airplane. But if you don't right. understand these laws, you're going to build bogus political movements that are always going to fail. So I understood very clearly that the establishment has the wings. The right wing had the Tea Party. When the tea, and then they used Ron Paul for a while. Then they brought in fucking Trump. Trump's goal was to fill in that vacuum. So the right had its, he was a Bernie Sanders of the right. Okay. Bernie Sanders was a Bernie Sanders of the left or the Trump of the left. And this is a very important dynamic. And the, and when I studied political history, Sabrina, I realized this occurred around 1950. You see, if you go back to the late 1800s and the early 1900s, there were vibrant militant. When I mean militant people scaring the shit out of the establishment, not with guns. Bottoms up movements led by women, blacks and whites. In 1920s, there's a picture, I, I wish I could find it, in Times Square of blacks and whites, massive million protesters. All of that's been wiped out of American history. These powerful bottoms up movements is why Frank, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was forced to give eliminate child labor, forced to give infrastructure, clean water, right? Uh, the eight hour workday. Eight American workers were shot by the National Guard in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Four American workers were hanged in Haymarket Square fighting for the eight-hour workday. All of this has been removed from American history. And in commemoration of those workers, throughout the world, it was called International Workers' Day, May Day. May Day originated in commemoration honoring American workers. Everywhere else, May Day is celebrated except here. It's a disgrace. Reagan changed it to Law Day. So the establishment has always wanted to remove the ferocity of the American working class when they rise up, blacks and whites, right? And it was those movements that ensured when GDP grew between 1900 to 1970, which it did grow, every wage group's wages increased. But in 1950, this scumbag on the right called McCarthy branded all of these movements as communists, as though they were being remote controlled from, you know, uh, Russia, they were called, and you can see many, many, Charlie Chaplin had to leave the United States. Great fighter, great, great artist too. Branded as a, you know, uh, you know, uh, being, anyway, it was, it was, it was one of the most appropriate time of American history. And so the right wing comes in and they scare all these workers. You will never say workers unite. Well, as though workers unite is owned by Karl Marx. It's existed since the time of Pharaoh, you know? And then the left was taken over by fake misleaders like the Kennedys and the Hoffas, right? So these true bottoms up organic movements led many by women, like in Lowell, Massachusetts, et cetera, by 1970, between 1900 and 1970, over 150 million people took to the streets to strike in really powerful working class movements. But by 1970, they're obliterated. The unions are taken over top down by the quote unquote social Democrats and the right wing takes over, you know, Wall Street and telling people, if you ever build a, a bottoms up movement, you must be a socialist communist. And that's right. what you have today. So between 1970 to today, only two million working people have struck in maybe 900 strikes. Before that, it was nearly 20,000 strikes. You see the difference? And during 1970 to today, as working people stop building their own movements, what's happened? We have two American pies. The wages of the first and second income quartile have dropped. 
And if you look at the area under that curve, it's $47 trillion. And that, that basically was a wealth transfer of the working people on the first and income, second quartile up to the elites. Yeah, there was socialism for the elites. 600 billionaires in the last three years, you know, during the pandemic made uh, $2.3 trillion. So this is what's gone on. But the analysis I've done shows it's because of bottoms up movements. So the technology the establishment created, Sabrina, was they created the fake misleaders, Bernie Sanders, Mahatma Gandhi in India, Martin Luther King, actually. Malcolm X was truly a man of the people, right? He couldn't be controlled. Martin Luther King was an agent of the Kennedys. If you actually go study it very carefully, he was a Southern Baptist bourgeois guy who had a lot of shit in his closet so he could be controlled. And what the civil rights movement did was they used him to make sure there was no more bottoms up movement. All the real things of inner city infrastructure were dropped and it all became about affirmative action, which was a gain of the civil rights movement. That wasn't the heart of it, which was to build infrastructure, which we still- But they killed- but they killed Martin Luther King yeah, they after were. he started talking about universal basic income reparations and he wanted to and, organize the workers. And the, Well, yeah, and the Vietnam War, okay, when he started talking about Vietnam War. But they also needed to create a martyr, you see? This is a lot of, a portion of this, which is hard for people to believe, is the establishment creates the martyrs it wants. So people don't dwell deeper because Malcolm was coming to a very, very different point in his life. He'd broken from ultra black nationalism. The last speech he gave was, I believe there will ultimately be a clash between the oppressed and those who do the oppressing, but it will not be based on the color of the skin. He was moving to workers movements and he was executed two weeks after that. So they do not want one of us, articulate people who come bottoms up, non-Brahmins like myself. They want us to stay in our lane. You know, I should have ideally become a professor at MIT, right? Paid homage to the Brahmins and become some, you know, elite, you know, running like this, douchebag Vivek the snake, you know? That's what they expected of me. <laughs> but the problem is that I never forgot where I came from. I have deep, deep anger and hatred for these people because they are scumbags. They know what they're doing. They know how to lie to people and cheat and slither. And I've seen it. And I never forgot the working class communities I came from. So the bottom line is that background theory I give you is when you study history, you say, wait a minute. Before, when you built the bottoms up movement, they would just shoot you. Then they realize, shit, we can't do this. We are going to create our heroes and we will have them mouth the same things that they want to hear, you know? And those people will be like poverty pimps. And that's what Jesse was, right? That's from you go read Mahatma Gandhi's work in India, 1920s. There was a bottom up revolutionary movement. They actually wanted to have a good revolution like America had and kick out the British. India never had that for 300 years of massive abuse. So they fly in this guy, Gandhi, who is an absolute racist. He did nothing for the black or brown people in South Africa. He was trying to help the very wealthy Hindus in the Transvaal region get trading rights. You know, he was a buttoned up lawyer, you know, who loved the British. And so he comes into India because this booming revolution was going to occur. So the British needed him. They put him in this white garb and spectacles, have him say some shit, you know, sound like a spiritual leader give him a spinning wheel. It's all, it's all an act, but he gets promoted. How does he get to walk all around India? And every other bottoms up leader was executed. So he gets made the hero. And what he does, Sabrina, he transfers power from the British Brahmanical elite to the Indian Brahmins. 
so the British had put all their brown people in place who bowed down to the British. So God, in fact, the Indian document of 1947 is not called the Declaration of Independence. It's called the transfer of power. Think about what I'm saying. It's called transfer of power. So the elites, they studied this. They've created a technology. They will create their anointed ones, push them and market them on people, give them visibility. Whether the person and the person may know it or not know it, right? But they're controlling. It's controlled opposition. So I knew this. So when I saw Sanders run, a very good friend of mine, you may know her, Lori Sesnick. Lori was Bernie's entire New England, uh, whatever captain or something. And you know, she's a smart woman, Harvard uh, neuroscientist. So she comes to my house. She goes, Shiva, you must support Bernie. He is. He says all the right things you say. I go, Lori, he's going to fuck you over. She goes, what do you mean? I say, mark my words. He will be on the Democratic convention stage. He will hug Hillary and he will say why we should support Hillary. She goes, no way. I've been told by Bernie he will not do that. I go, Lori, you're so fucking naive. I saw this when I was 18 years old. Do you understand he's part of the establishment? That's his role. That is what he's supposed to. He's, he's there innovation their technology she goes no 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 she says fuck you and she walks out of my house never saw her for two years later then she calls me years later saying you were absolutely right so this is why political theory is so important because if you don't get it wrong you're, she wasted two years of her life and this has been the recurring process sabrina this is why this curve is like this because they have scumbag after scumbag after scumbag they have a whole farm league of bernie sanders aoc's Donald Trump's, Tulsi Gabbard's, Vivek the Snake, they breed these people on the wings, you see, who mimic my words, not the, you know, just enough to capture, and they, by the way, with social media right now, they're watching this video, they're watching what's moving people, and they literally steal our messaging points. Ooh, Dr. Shiva said, shatter the swarm, yes. use that. Ooh, bottoms up movement, revolution, let me put that in. So what would you what would you do differently, Dr. Dr. Shiva? Because Bernie Sanders right now, and I'm going to get into this later tonight. Bernie Sanders is going on to every mainstream media outlet. Uh, he was speaking recently in New Hampshire live in front of not necessarily a large crowd anymore, but speaking in front of people, basically trying to encourage people to still continue to support Joe Biden. Uh, and he's claiming the economy is great. I think the rest of us know differently that the economy is not doing well. What would you do differently uh, with the economy if you were president? What would you do that Joe Biden is not currently doing? Yes. Yeah, so so I, there's two sort of questions in there, right? Um, why is Bernie Sanders doing this, right? And then what would I do with the economy? Look, Bernie Sanders, we have to remove all these rose-colored glasses. He has a job, just like Thomas Massey has a job, like Rand Paul has a job on the right. These people just talk a good game. They're like the Bernie Sanders of the right. Their job is to split the American people so people are always attached to thinking the establishment is going to do something for them. I hope people understand this. That's his role. He wouldn't exist. If, if he really was truly anti-establishment, he wouldn't get one visibility on any news station. If any of these freaks get visibility on a news station, that's because they're being supported by the swarm. They need them. OK, so that's a fundamental commandment you need to understand theoretically. So that's why Bernie's out there. The reason he, he's out there also is they have 
you know, all of our social media is watched and they do sentiment analysis, predictive analytics. They know right now in history that the people of the world, not only in America, because of a lot of the work that I did in 2020 with all humility, you know, exposing Kennedy, exposing Trump, all these things, the not so obvious establishment. I like clipping the wings. That's what we need to attack. The shoulders are easy. We need to clip the wings of this establishment. And so we've been doing that. So people say, wait a minute, Dr. Shiva is the one who did all this in 2020. He's the one who exposed the election systems. He's the one who said fire Fauci. He's the one who exposed the backdoor portal. Why is it fucker Carlson waited two years to, and do this bo bogus shit called the Twitter files? Okay. Musk ain't fighting for us. So people know in 2020, we reached about a half a billion people. So we created a disruption. So now what the establishment is doing, they're saying, fuck, there's going to be a true bottoms up movement. So therefore they're disrupted. So this is why they have the data in front of them, Sabrina. There's some guy at MIT or Harvard Business School or Tufts or the Kennedy School who said, fuck, we have a major problem, Houston. There's true bottoms up movement. And there's a guy called Dr. Shiva in a movement for truth, freedom, health that has figured this shit out. And they're going and educating people about Bernie, about Kennedy, about Vivek the Snake, about Trump, that these people are set up to keep you attached. Now, this has never occurred before. Malcolm was almost getting there. Okay. Every time these people got there, they got executed. But the problem they have with me, we got our shit out there and we're training lots and lots of people to understand this dynamic. So this is why the left is freaking out. They need Bernie to corral people back into the establishment. Do you understand that he's doing the same thing, but he's doing it earlier because they know the shit's going to get out of hand because people are getting smart. And this is why they're indicting Trump and doing this theater, in my view. OK, and they so they're in disruption. Oh, shit. Let's find this other brown guy who's a fucking moron, you know, Vivek the snake, have him mouth what Dr. Shiva's saying, right? But a complete scumbag, you know, who sell, who buys useless drugs, has his mother redo the data. And we'll talk about this, right? Push shit out there. Complete scam artist, you know, a pale version of me. So they push out a brown face to get the media. So there, the establishment on the right and the left is freaking out right now because of our movement, in my view, with all humility, because we've been exposing Kennedy. I've had to hit Kennedy hard, another scumbag, complete bullshitter. So now historically, what would happen is if our movement didn't exist, these people would get away, right? Talking a good game, right? And, and people would say, oh, oh yeah, he said that shit against, he's supporting Zionism. Oh, well, but I guess he had to do that. But we hammer him on that, right? Typically they get away with all these contradictions, but we're not letting them get away. So therefore, the wings of the establishment now are like curling in much sooner. You have AOC supporting Biden, right? You have Bernie supporting Biden. And you'll see shortly both wings of the establishment either will rally around DeSantis, okay, or, uh, you know, or Trump, right? They're creating the theater, but they're in disruption. The good news is, Sabrina, they're in disruption, which is excellent. And I've heard that- I was just going to say, this is exactly why uh, a lot of times, like there's certain things like on this channel that will really take off number wise. But whenever I do the videos about organizing and mutual aid, like out in the community, those videos never take off the way the other ones do. And that's what I said a while back before YouTube, I believe is actively not just suppressing independent media, but also suppressing anti-establishment voices and anything that promotes like mutual aid or community organizing. Yes, it's like they time. don't want that message to reach too many people. Yeah, because so 
you know, you'll see a video I put up. I love going on the ground. You know, even though I'm a technologist, if you look at ICE, you know, after two years of being thrown off Twitter for exposing the backdoor portal, Musk puts me back on, but he thought I was going to, you know, bow down to him, be his good house, well, slave, right? And when I got back on Twitter on October, I said, hey, Elon, I'll be your CEO. You're looking for one. That, went, that got like 20 million views. Oh, very innocuous. But every day after that, Sabrina, I said, are you going to remove the backdoor portal to Twitter? You still have the government backdoor censorship portal. And my views went from 500,000 views per day down to 300,000. And I'm barely, I'm lucky if I get 5,000, right? So that swarm video that you saw, which I explained the whole swarm, got like 40 million views, but not because of me. Other people downloaded and started sharing it. So I'm a serious danger to them because they have said, shit, this guy knows what we're up to and he's educating people. So, you know, I go off, you know, we distributed about, you know, in 30 minutes, we distributed about a thousand of these down to South Station. And this basically says, look, the lesser of two evils is killing your children. You know, we share the graph. Then we say, what's the swarm? And then we invite people to come to our open house. They can't fuck with us on this, right? And then we tell people, go get a bumper sticker. Why? Because you put this on the back of your car, 100,000 people see it. The future is offline. We're all fucked online. When I say we, the true people want to build movements. They want to glue people into, into social media. Everyone's online. They're not talking to people. What's really cool is if you go hand out a flyer, people take it. You know, you have a conversation out of 100 people. You know, you have five good. Con it's awesome. You're connecting with people and they don't want us talking to people. Good old school. They want all of it to be robotized. Right. Because then they can control it. So this is what is fundamentally going on. So when you come to the economy, when you realize what's fundamentally happening, because there was no movement it, when we had a movement, you know, during the early 1920s, powerful movements, wages of everyone went up. The economy actually grew when there were no more movements. The the establishment made money, but not for everyday people. Right. So you, we have to go when we peel away the onion layer, what it says is, OK, so how do we improve the economy? We have to build a fucking movement, period. It's not like some, you know, I can talk about Keynesian economics or some, but we have to build a movement. And that and you, mean an out, you mean an outside movement on the ground, on the fucking ground. Period. That's the only way. Look, I'll get, you know, I learned this uh, when there's a there's a dean at MIT. I don't know if you remember this. In 1983, there was a black dean by the name of Dean Mary Hope. Mary Hope was fired. She was brought in. Um, you may know in 1968, MIT only had like two black students there, or 67. One of them was a woman called Shirley Jackson. And Shirley Jackson was the first black woman who was getting her PhD and she was delivering her PhD dissertation to this whole crowd of old white guys. And she threw down her thesis and she said, it's a disgrace that I'm basically the only black woman here. There's only two black students. Well, the next year, MIT, you know, uh, let in, I think, 10 or 20 black students. And they knew they were going to fail. And, th and they did it because they came from the inner cities where they didn't have the basic skills. But those students were very bright. They took over the MIT faculty club and they demanded. They said, you know what? You brought us in here on, quote, unquote, affirmative action. We know we're going to fail. And our, in, our, our school system didn't have any infrastructure. So we, we're going to force you to give us infrastructure. So they set up the tutorials, you know, the MIT Mites program, all this stuff. So the students could get the infrastructure they didn't get. And because and so when Reagan came in, they wanted to get rid of all those programs. Dean Hope fought for them and she gets fired. 
And this was right when the Jesse Jackson thing. So we started a newspaper to protect her from firing, right? And that newspaper went viral. We became more powerful than the student newspaper. The administrators would be scared shitless what I would be distributing. I mean, we would just do it on the front of the MIT thing. We got our own mimeograph machine, black and white. We became so powerful, our little newspaper, the true revolutionaries, and here's the administrations called the tech. Remember the tech? You know what mm -hmm. MIT did? They went and funded a, 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 a not so obvious establishment version of us. They funded like the Bernie Sanders. They funded the Thistle. You see what I'm saying? They knew, wait a minute, the revolutionaries are getting a lot of eyeballs. We have the right wings or the establishment. So they created a newspaper. So I'm telling you, they have this down to a science. And I saw it in front of my own eyes. So, I'm, so what I'm trying to say is that this they can't screw with because it's there's more of us than them. So we have to get on the ground. And that's what I would also. I would also add too, in reference to policies like healthcare, for example, even Bernie Sanders, a lot of people don't remember this, but even Bernie Sanders himself said, yes, I would fight, I would give everybody Medicare for all, but it would not be possible unless we also had the outside movements on the ground. And a lot of people don't remember that, but I remember him saying that. And we, we see what's happening now, right? Ukraine, I, I want to move to foreign policy a little bit. And I also want to ask you about the caste system because Shama Sawant actually um, yeah. was pretty powerful in that movement in Seattle as well. Yeah. This war in Ukraine, where, where, do you, where do you stand on this position? Well, I can tell you most of the people in this audience are heavily against giving any more aid uh, to Ukraine and are heavily against this right. conflict. So I've been speaking about this for many, many years. People can go look at, look at my videos. Look, the, if, you, if we just, if, first of all, the whole thing is, the whole thing has to do with U.S. hegemony there, okay? It has nothing to do with helping the people of Ukraine. The people of Ukraine are being basically used as fodder. If you go back to 2013, Condoleezza Rice gave a very interesting policy talk where she said, we must ensure that Europe starts using the U.S. platform for energy, not be dependent on Russian, the Russian energy platform, right? Which means because Europe was very dependent on deals with Russia. And she wanted to suck that away. And I remember she was on the board of, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, one of the, one of the big oil giants. Okay. She was on their board. So she is the one who was the architect of all of this, that we must get Europe suckling on America's titty for oil, not on Russia. That was her goal. And starting with that in 2014, you know, if you look in Ukraine, there was a duly elected guy who was pro-Russian, a, a president. So the U.S., Obama and McCain, under the leadership of Hillary Clinton, did a regime change. They did the Maiden Revolution. And, and the United States installed a pro-U.S. person who was actually a Nazi in Western Ukraine. Now, if you look at Ukraine and you go to the eastern part of Ukraine, most of the people, in, the Russians in the eastern part of Ukraine, right, the former Soviet Union, you have to understand these people have their fathers fought the Nazis with pots and pans. You know, two million Russians died in the Battle of Stalingrad. If anyone should be given credit for winning World War II and fighting Hitler, it's the Russian people. They lost like 20 million lives. So when the U.S. did this, the eastern part of Ukraine are freaking pissed as crazy, okay? And at the same time, U.S. companies Shell and Exxon are drilling there because their goal was they would create, you know, find energy there and build a pipeline through Ukraine to Europe. Now, Putin, and by the way, the people of Eastern Ukraine were done with that. They decide to leave Ukraine. Legitimately, they had a referendum. 
And Putin becomes aware of this, right? Or more importantly, the Russian people probably are pissed off. And you have this development that you have today. But this was all designed by the United States to create this, this discourse. I mean, to discord. You know, in 1992, George Bush said that we will not move one inch east of Germany. And they violated all of that. NATO would, and they you know, essentially violated this. So the goal was, ultimately, in my view, it's not like Putin is a nice guy. He's also an oligarch, right? The U.S. is a bigger bully. But the reality is Russia has close to probably $100 trillion worth of resources, eat more or equal to Africa. And what the British imperialism did, if you look at the blueprint they did for Africa, they had everyone fighting against each other. They went and randomly drew lines. You know, Africans who never fought against each other suddenly were fighting against each other because, mm. the, because Britain knows how to divide and rule. And then using that divide and rule, they took over all the resources. And that's the same grand plan that they have for Russia or that region, you know, to get people fighting. And then the U.S. or British imperialism uh, will come in and swoop in. So in my view, I would get the U.S. out of NATO. There's no reason for us to be in NATO, period, uh, at all. That was a Cold War thing. NATO exists to exist. That's why NATO exists. So they create these things to justify their existence. But um, and, and, and the American people have nothing to gain from this. Uh, Ukraine is a money laundering operation, right? So much money going there, we'll find out 20 years from now, is flowing back to Lindsey Graham's pockets and to Democrats' pockets. It goes out and then it comes back in, right? It's a money laundering operation. So the whole thing is nonsensical. It has nothing to do with the United States. Working people in the United States have nothing to gain from this war. But again, what's happened, Sabrina, is over the last 50 years, there's no more movements. Where are the vibrant movements? Because if there were, I mean, no one's. Well, well okay. So I, I do have to say, as someone who's an activist, and I've been at a lot of these rallies, or I've, I've been there covering them, or I've been there like as an activist. One thing I will say is like, there were multiple anti-war rallies and protests. And I think for those of us that are activists and we try to heavily promote these things, it's, it's, it's disappointing sometimes when people say there's nothing. But the thing is, is like, where was, you know, where was all of the promotion for the marches for Medicare for all we had two years ago in this country that were in over 50 cities across the country? You know, we couldn't even get, obviously we don't expect mainstream media to talk about it, but we couldn't even get, to your point, the progressives or so-called progressives in Congress to even tweet about it, right? You know why, Bernie right? Sanders wouldn't even mention it. But you know why, right? Because they're they're technically a part of the establishment. But more importantly, those movements were independent of the left or the right. You see, if any of these movements are organic, they will never give it coverage. But they're 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 committing suicide. So why is it that? They do. They try to make me invisible because they know, holy shit, if we give this guy coverage, J Joe Rogan follows me, but he'll never put me on because he knows the day I go on his show, he's fucked because people say, wait a minute, you've been hiding this guy. He's the one to expose long before Twitter files. And they'll realize Rogan is part of the establishment. You see, the establishment has their anointed leader, Sabrina. They will never promote truly independent leaders because they don't have control of me. They don't have control of you. They will promote the wings. That's fine. Bernie gets AOC, right? Uh, uh, Booby F. and Kennedy, right? Donald Trump. 
Vivek the snake. I mean, look at the New York Times promotes Vivek every freaking week. Yeah. Right. He's got a bunch of Brahmins in there promoting him. And you have to. He was a, he was a Soros fellow. I don't know if you know not that. Not only a Soros fellow, he endorsed this woman called Dina Henderson, who is pro vaccine mandates, pro mask mandates, big pharma whore. And he gave her twenty seven hundred dollars in twenty sixteen, promoted her Maximus and endorsed her. And I just tweeted about this, and she just blocked me. Okay, <laughs> so. And then, you know, Vivek is like this with the big pharma. And that's why he's a big pharma front man, just like Trump was. Trump is big pharma royalty. That's what he is. You know, Pfizer's sales were going down like this. You know, being in the field of biological engineering, Pfizer's sales went from $65 billion in 2015 down to $45 billion in 2019. They were tanking. They needed the quote unquote vaccine. And that's why they gave Trump said, oh, I'm against Big Pharma. Well, you took a million dollars for your inauguration and he did the V for them. And then Biden carried it on. It's if you don't forget pro or anti-vax, look at the big elephant in the room. Pfizer's revenue is tanking and then they go up like this. And that's all you need to look at. Now, no one will talk about that except me. After well, I think. I, I think part of it is because of the censorship, to be honest. I mean, Jimmy Dore, like, have you been on Jimmy Dore's show? No, Jimmy Dore won't put me on because he thinks Robert Kennedy's the best thing since sliced bread. And Dore needs to be slapped upside the fucking head. Well, I don't... <laughs> you know, seriously. No, because when I approved Kennedy, oh, 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 you know, this... You know, Jimmy Dore, this is what I'm saying. I am very uncompromising on this. Like, if if I'm out here and all the work I've done... These people do not cover me. Either they're jealous or they know, wait a minute, this guy's truly independent. But fucking Jimmy Dore was endorsing Kennedy. Kennedy's not a fighter. He supported lockdowns in the middle of 2020. Everyone should go look at Jimmy. Jimmy said he's supporting Cornell West. Well, let's see. He, he was speaking very, and may, maybe now he's shifting a little bit because people have been calling him out. But if he's gonna if he's going to put... Cornell on, he should put me on. But he knows a day. Talk to me. I, I, think, he would. I, I think he would. I mean, Jim, Jimmy's probably pretty controversial. Well, let's see, Sabrina. Let's test him. <laughs> no, no, test him. No, write to him and test him. Let's test him. So, Jimmy Dore, if you're listening, and you if, if you're not a pussy, put me on. Because don't pussyfoot around. Because I'm a ground activist. And we have created a movement. It's global right now. And I've done everything beyond the call of duty. It was in 2020. I mean, if you go back in 2020, I maybe got two hours sleep, 2020 per day. We were, it was like a PhD thesis exposing the election systems. I was fighting in federal court by myself, doing my own briefs and running my company. I mean, the Herculean shit we did in our movement, just to give credit where it's due, was extraordinary. I didn't see door one instant supporting us. I mean, we're the ones who expose the entire censorship infrastructure to the world. Half a billion people. None of these guys were out there because either I keep repeating, they're either jealous or they know that, wait a minute, Shiva's not in the left or the right camp. We can't control him. And that's a fundamental issue, Sabrina. They do not want independent movements. If you and I went out today and we did a really good demonstration, right? on censorship, right? And it wasn't endorsed by the MAGA left or the whatever, or the, the MAGA right. It's not going to be covered. 
period. And the reality. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a registered independent, and they talk to me. I mean, I think sometimes it could be the approach. No, I don't think it is. I think they know that we have taken an uncompromising approach. Look, you let me tell you who covers us. You, I like indep truly independent media people. All right, and that's who we go to. We are not going to be dependent on people who've shown over and over again they're sort of wishy-washy. You can't build a movement on these people. You really can't. And that's why that's what history has taught me. You have to build a movement on working people, bottoms up, who really understand these principles. Otherwise, it's always going to be wishy-washy. You see, it'll be the next version of Bernie people follow, the next version of Tulsi Gabbard, the next version. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the politics. And that's why, you know, when I created this base, you know, I used to teach system science at MIT. And then I realized these systems principles are what the elites learn. And that's what they use to manipulate people for power, profit, control. But without these fundamental principles, people are always going to recur. Oh, you know, this guy, that guy, you know, but they're not going to realize that it's they that have to build a movement. It has to be bottoms up and they have to understand they have to become the leaders. There's no savior coming. Yeah, I think. Well, I think a lot of my viewers do realize that because a lot of them are um, disgruntled former Bernie supporters. Well, <laughs> I think. But but the thing is, the former Bernie supporters, many of them became Trump supporters. Many of the Trump supporters were former Obama supporters. You see, we had a guy in our uh, movement who came to us. He goes, you know, first I was following uh, Bernie. Then I jumped uh, Obama. Then I jumped into Bernie's bed. I was about I was like a political whore. I was going to then jump into the bed of Tulsi Gabbard. Without theory, people are just going to keep going to these next things. Mm, that's, that's a good point. That's what I'm trying to say. There is a foundational theory. If you want to build an airplane, you have to understand Bernoulli's principles. If you want to build a movement, you have to understand scientific principles. And that's what I've discovered. No different than Bernoulli or Newton, et cetera. And it may be hard for people to understand that, but that's what I've uncovered. And that's been my life's journey, Sabrina. And with those principles, you can now create real revolutionaries. But without them, people are going to be going like this, wishy-washy, you know? So well, would you be interested in, in working with someone like Shama Sawant? Because I, I've talked to yeah, Shama I, multiple I, times. I, I wrote her an email. So let me tell you. So the socialist movement, right? That's, you know, she has an alternative socialist movement that she's doing, right? Now here's the deal, right? In the 1900s, there were revolutionaries who would have all sorts of discourse, right? So in the 1800s, you had, you know, the Adam Smiths and Karl Marx, and these people were fundamentally classical liberals. They were trying to understand society. And in the early 1900s, you had uh, the anarcho-syndicalists. You had, um, you know, the Bukharans. You had the Lenins, right? The uh, Rosa Luxembourgs. And these people had really deep theoretical discussions on what does it mean to build a movement? But let me tell you, and I've read all their works. I've read all these people's works. But the problem is they didn't have a scientific theory. Because this knowledge of system science, Sabrina, did not really come around until the late 1900s and 1950s. You see, they were basing their stuff on philosophical ideas. So they were sort of getting some of the concepts. Okay, we need to build a bottoms-up movement. But how do you build a movement was always this top-down in nature, even the Leninist models, right? Central committee telling people what to do. 
But in the 1950s, the work of Ilya Progroni and others realized that we have something called self-organizing systems. So what I've done, I've had to do the work of sort of the scientist to understand political theory. System and revolution really takes in some ways where Lenin left off with state and revolution. Lenin understood some principles, but he didn't have system science. What system science teaches is it cannot be top down. It has to truly be bottoms up self-organizing systems. And the so there's a lot that these people can learn from the work I've done. Now, in the 1920s, there used to be discourse, but we, we haven't had someone do the theoretical work. Now, I've spent a lot of time doing the theoretical work. It's like imagine being Isaac Newton, who figures out the fundamental laws, right, of motion or Bernoulli figures out. And that's what I've done for political theory, which integrates it with system science. So that's why I'm so you know, adamant, uncompromising about this, because it's not like my opinion. It's fundamental engineering system science. So as an MIT guy who studies engineering, what I'm saying is there's fundamental principles of how to build a movement. And we better learn them now because the elites know it. And and well, well, I will say like Shama is working on a workers movement called Workers Strike Back. Yep. Uh, she was she's probably the most popular city councilor in the, in the country. She refused to accept the full salary uh, for city councilor. She has had significant wins uh, in Seattle, including the caste discrimination uh, win that they had a couple of months ago. That was, again, led by her. So she has when it when it comes to like record and getting things done, she has been known to get things done. And now she has workers strike back, which their number one goal is to organize all of the Amazon warehouses across the country. So that's why I'm asking, like, would you be interested in working yeah, together I, with someone like her? I, so I am, I will work with people who want to put the working people first and build these bottoms up movements, period. Um, I do not want to work with people who say one thing like Bernie. Bernie knows how to talk out of both sides of his fucking mouth. Oh, yeah, we need to build a movement. But then he go, he just says that just to keep his base entertained, Right. So I like the fact, you know, when I looked at what occurred in Seattle, you have these, I'm a low caste work, you know, worker. I felt those things when I came to this country, the Brahmins treat me differently. You know, when I went to MIT, none of the, all the Indian Brahmins would stay the fuck away from me, right? My friends were poor blacks and poor whites and poor Hispanics. None of the Indians at MIT were my friends because they thought me as a lower caste untouchable. They would ask my last name and they knew right away who I was. Sabrina, you won't find a lot of Indians like me here, especially at MIT in the 1980s. So I have experienced caste discrimination in India when I was a child going to a friend's home. His mother called me the, you know, the equivalent of the N-word, gave me water in a different cup. You know, my mom was spit on growing up. So I, I've ex this is not like theory fucking to me. This is real. OK, so you're looking at someone who's experienced this shit. So I know what Brahminism is. And now we have a Brahmin. Bernie's a fucking Brahmin. Okay. We have a Brahmanical caste system that's global right now. It's a multiracial Brahmin caste system way beyond India. And so, so you ask me, will I work with someone? Yeah. But you know what? We have many victories and we know how to win. It's bottoms up, but you have to have the right political theory. Because if you hit a ball one degree off, it's going to go 300 yards off. So we better be clear on our theory. That's why when I tell you, you want to, let's get theory right. Because if you don't get the political theory right, the rocket's not going to hit the moon. It's going to go somewhere else. And that is why theory is important combined with the activism. How many times have people done these major demonstrations, right, only to be misled? Because who was leading these demonstrations? Was it truly bottoms up? 
or was it a bunch of people in back room saying, okay, we're going to have the March on Washington. You give the, I have a dream speech. Well, Malcolm wasn't there, right? What the fuck's, I have a dream. What about what's going on now? A lot of people in the audience are saying, what do you mean I'm a dream? What about actual things right now? You see, so the elites are very clever at even taking over movements, Sabrina, and they will control them. Okay, you, I remember in the, in the whole medical freedom movement, fucking Kennedy and his people, we were building the bottoms up movement that stopped the vax mandate. They were telling people, ooh, don't say that, don't say this, do this, right? They actually come in and control movements. So these people are fucked up. In, in, you know, I'll give you another example. MIT had investments in South Africa, right? Apartheid in the 1980s. So we organized, so there were three groups. One group is the establishment of students. Oh, you know, it's good we're sending money to the poor blacks, we're helping them, right? Another group of the white liberals, well, we should work with the administration, let's not be too raucous. You know, they'll work with us, the typical white liberal elites. Well, we, meaning the bottoms up people, you know what we did? We said, look, it's nice for you white liberals to talk about someone 10,000 miles away, but none of you guys don't even, I was living in Dorchester at the time, right? Because I lived off campus. Mm -hmm. I don't see any of you guys even going to Roxbury, Dorchester. How about this? We interconnect the movement for apartheid in South Africa with organizing the food service workers here. You see, they didn't want to do that because now it's real. It's not being a liberal elite. Oh yeah, I want to help the black people in South Africa. Well, what about yeah. freaking black people right here? So when we did that movement, again, three trends, the not so obvious establishment, the establishment and us. So I organized a demonstration that went from BU up Comav across a Mass Ave bridge. And as we're marching, you know, they're saying we shall overcome these Namby bullshit things, right? No to apartheid. So we take up a slogan, apartheid in South Africa, burn it to the ground. And everyone loves it. Yeah, it sounds violent, but everyone loved it. Why? Because we were matching the actual shit that was going on in South Africa where people were being beaten and shot to death. So 5,000 people are chanting this very powerful militant slogan. And all these white liberals run around and say, oh, you can't say that. That sounds too violent. Ooh, we, that's not an authorized slogan. We say, shut the fuck up. You see what they try to do? They try to control the, ang the natural anger of people. And that's why we have this fucking curve. Because you have, I'm sorry, Jimmy Dore, okay? Jimmy Dore doesn't know my journey. Because if he fucking did, he would have had me on in 2020. So when he puts me on, great. But until then, who I support, Sabrina, are everyday working people. And I will never forget them. And that's who we need to mobilize with their anger, with their cuss words, with their approach, which is not going to fit their diplomacy. Because they want us to be diplomats, talk in their way. I'm not going to do it. And that's what's going to win it because you know what? We're going to get more of this shit. Look at the result. And this is what yeah. we have to look at. So when people say, oh, why are you cursing? I say, well, you know what? That comes out of me naturally. And don't fucking try to control my language because language is thought. And if I feel anger, it comes from my journey. And you haven't walked in my fucking shoes. You haven't had people spit at you. You haven't had people try to steal your invention. You haven't had people when we expose the backdoor portal, fucking Tucker Carlson didn't say anything for two years. Glenn Greenwald didn't say anything. These are dweebs. They just say enough. They don't do what's right at the right time. In 2020 is when you should have spoken up. Not after the fact, trying to promote Elon Musk as a fighter for free speech. I'm sorry, where Elon Musk begins and government ends, nobody knows. 
Every one of the enterprises, SpaceX, $7 billion from government. Tesla, wholly dependent on government carbon tax subsidies. Twitter, dependent on Section 230. He's a government man. So he's fighting for my free speech? No fucking way. So, Dr. Shiva, I totally hear, you know, one one last thing before we wrap it up. I, I totally hear where you're coming from um, on, on a lot of these issues. One thing I will say, it kind of seems like you're mad at everyone. No, no. That if you say that, you're dismissive of the fundamental issues. And that is the wrong thing to do, Sabrina, because you're not giving people the opportunity to educate it. No, you go come to our open houses. You will see everyday people. Yesterday, we had a transit guy from California. The people we're organizing are across all different backgrounds who are legitimately angry, but they don't understand the theory. I don't have to support Jimmy Dore to say, you know who I support? Crystal Ellis. You know who I support? John Medlar. You, you go down the list of people. I support everyday people. People need to start asking the question, not like, oh, you don't, who do you support? I ask, what about you? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I totally hear that, but I think I think the thing is is that so all of these people they miss they missed the plot in 2020. No, no, say no, 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 it's not true. That's not true. So you're not giving the great honor to the people who did. Half a billion people saw our videos. Okay, we had a lot of people. We did 2,000 people demonstrations here. A lot of people got them, but they're not. Their names are not Bernie Sanders. Their names are not Donald Trump. Okay, their names are not all these people. So who do I believe? Those people. So yeah, no, I, I totally get that. But I, I totally honor. get that. We should we should ask the question. Oh, what am I going to do? Am I going to hand out a flyer today? Not like, oh, who are you going to vote for? That's a wrong question. Oh, what do you think about blah blah blah? I don't think a lot about these people. Look, on November sixteenth, twenty eighteen, Sabrina, what happened? That was a day that Donald fucking Trump destroyed the First Amendment. It was the day CISA was signed into law. You know, 1791, the First Amendment says, Congress shall pass no law to bridge freedom of speech. That's the First Amendment. Congress. Well, on November 16th, 2018, Congress passed a law, which was to destroy free speech. The creation of CISA did that. Every member of Congress unanimously voted for it. Every Senate gave unanimous consent. So... When people say, oh, will you work with them? No, I'm not going to work with any of these people. They're all scumbags. But we need to mobilize a movement. That's what we need to do. So I'm very clear on that. So this is a, a really a theoretical question. Because if we want, look at how fast this curve is moving. And if you are serious about activism and you care about your children, you need a systems overhaul. And it's not going to come from these people. Yeah. So we need to be hypercritical. Yes, booby fucking Kennedy. Yes, fucker Carlson. Yes, call them these names. These people are from above. They do not give a fuck about you. And yes, I will be critical of them. And yes, I don't like 99.9% .9 of them, but I like us. And we need to start honoring us. And we really totally, need to get that. I, I totally hear you. I think I do think that people like, I mean, I don't know those other people, but I do think that people like Jimmy and Glenn would actually be willing to... Well, to hear this message, let's see it because I've written to Glenn. Look, one of my former mentors, a guy called Noam Chomsky. Okay, Chomsky, right? The great Chomsky, right? Glenn Greenwald was his. Glenn will bow at the feet of Chomsky. All right, 
My point is, Glenn knows about it. He wants to own, like he's the big tech, anti-big tech guy. Our lawsuit was the most historic lawsuit. Half a billion. I walk, I travel all over the world. Random people come running up to me. Oh my God, Dr. Shiva, thank you so much. We saw what they did. We saw that lawsuit. And these people don't do anything? Why? Because I'm not part of their inner circle. And they are either jealous or they do not want to give the, tr the fact that right now, and they also, if you look at their tweets, oh, thank you, Elon Musk. Thank you, Elon Musk. Elon Musk still has a backdoor censorship portal. People need to wake up. These people are part of the intelligence network. You have to really. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not one that's that's praising Elon Musk. That's for sure. No, I don't, don't trust don't Elon look Musk. At Kennedy. He's praising Elon Musk. Fucker. Yeah. Praising him. Glenn Greenwald was praising him. What I'm trying. Well, what I'm trying to say is just because they have some equity doesn't mean they're doing what needs to be done at the right time. Remember, these people aren't activists. They write about shit after the fact. They want to win a Pulitzer Prize. They want to get a movie. They don't want to do shit when it needs to be done. Delayed truth is deadly, Sabrina. In 2020, we have it in front view. Government has a backdoor portal into Twitter. We win the lawsuit. We get the injunction. We find the playbooks. Now you wait two years later after all the damage is done to do Twitter files, which is a, a limited hangout smokescreen, plagiarized from our stuff. That's all entertainment. What did you do when the shit was hitting the fan? These are all good points. These are all good points. Um, I, I totally hear where you, again, I totally hear where you're coming from. You're talking about someone um, who was in the trenches fighting. And it's like, you're a Marine fighting and you want air cover. They were nowhere there to be found. They're scumbags. And the only thing is they concealed our lawsuit. And the problem is, Sabrina, good people like you and others, this is the education they have to overcome if we're going to really win. They think, oh, well, you know, Glenn is a nice guy. He's done some nice stuff. Jimmy's a nice guy. He's done. Well, where the fuck were you when the shit was hitting the fan? You have to ask that question. It's like the Holocaust is taking place or building is burned down. Firemen come. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, this is, isn't it awful? Well, where were you when the building was burning down? We ran the fire Fauci campaign. We exposed Fauci. We collected 120,000 signatures. None of these people were there. But you know who was there? Our people, bottoms up people, not these people. So I learned a lesson at 19 when I was 18 years old. It is the custodians at MIT, the food service workers. And we really need to honor these people. Yeah. And I'm being very serious about this. Jimmy Dore. Come on over here. Why don't you honor someone like me who comes from nothing, a low caste fucking non-Brahmin? Fuck. Yeah, it's, that's why I'm pissed off at these guys. They talk a good game, but they will not put me on. It's a litmus test. Are you real or not? I can show you the emails to Glenn. It's all up on winbackfreedom.com. They sat on it. Well, I'll, I can reach out to Jimmy. Do it. I, I I think you should have a conversation with you. I think it'll be a good conversation. We've had we've had people say you should reach out. Heather's reached out. I've reached out. Zero. Their silence speaks, says everything. You're looking at the real fucking fighter here. I don't need to fucking do this, but I do it because I've never forgotten where I came from, Sabrina. And everything I have, I've earned. And if you look at our movement, we have a half a million people now in 120 countries, no advertising, bottoms up. 
So why is it I go to Mexico, random people say, oh my God, Dr. Shiva, I saw what they did with the election fraud, da, 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 da. So we have become highly visible. These people make us invisible actively. That is a disgrace. Well, I feel the same way in reference to what you're, I mean, in reference to like activism, I feel the same way. Like when we were trying to organize marches and things like that, I mean, most of the larger independent media channels would not bring us on to promote actions. Most of them would not. And I've gone to, I've spoken at Assange rallies. I've gone to anti-war rallies. I've covered these things myself. Um, but the the one person who would bring us on to promote it was Jimmy. Mm -hmm. So again, like I can reach out to Jimmy. I think it would be great for you to have that discussion. Yeah, let's do it. But he should follow principle, not like friendships, you say? It should be done on principle. You see what I'm saying? Like, wait a minute. Look at this guy's history from four years old. I mean, my history is not one of my personal integrity. Booby fucking Kennedy says my personal integrity and my public integrity are two different things. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Is this the level that we're teaching people? Like, you can go fuck all sorts of people, screw your wife over, murder people. But outwardly, you're going to look great. Like, fuck off. Like, these are the people we're, we're supposed to as leaders raise people's standards, you know, Ra you know, give people. Hey, you can look at my entire history. You will see me in 2007 when I'm getting my PhD at MIT. I pull out a huge banner, U.S. out of Iraq. Half of the crowd booed me. On the other half, gave me a standing ovation. I was the only lone voice. MIT had a fucking stupid speaker. They should have been talking about that. So my whole life has been doing the right thing at the right time. And I can say that with not any arrogance. And some people, oh, he's speaking arrogant. Like, fuck off. That's what I did. Because I try to get credit for what I do. See, they don't like dark people, especially Indians, speaking like this. Because they have in their mind, an Indian supposed to shake his head like this and say, what to do? You know, They have this idea in their head. And I break that mold. And that really bothers them, Sabrina. And that's the racism. And I want people to become alert to that. Jimmy should think about his own racism. Is it because I don't speak in the way he wants me to speak? I'm not saying him, but in general. You see, they're typically used to a certain framework of what people are supposed to talk like. You're supposed to stay in your lane. Yeah, I speak aggressively. Yeah, I speak tough because it comes from my heart. But I think we're at a very fundamental point because the people that are coming to our movement in 2023 particularly are, man, they're super amazing people. I'll give you an example. A guy saw the Joe Rogan podcast with Kennedy. And he said, Oh my God, I was so amazed with Kennedy. I was going to give him $25,000. And, you know, and then I saw your video exposing Kennedy and Rogan. It just suddenly popped up somewhere. And he said, for two days, I had cognitive dissonance because I knew what you were saying was true, but it took me a while to absorb it. Right. Same thing. So we are finding people who are getting over and self-reflecting and getting, see, this is this hump. Wait a minute. I, he's saying this stuff. I'm not sure if I like the way he said it. Wait a minute, buddy. What he's saying is true. So, so one thing I will say. So one thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll I'll end on this is that. Have you been? In, I know you mentioned Joe Rogan. I know you mentioned Jimmy. Have you been invited on to Breaking Points? No, I don't even. I don't know what that is. But Kim Iverson had me on. You say, but Kim is based. Yeah, like I, I just keep it a real. Kim is based. She she's one of the people that she came on very early on. Have you know, very early have you on my show. It's women.
I noticed there's a big difference between women and these white dudes. <laughs> Say it. You know, 60% of our movement was women because a woman goes through a journey that is very not because they go through, they have to handle multiple things. They get denigrated in various ways. They're very smart. Don't get the credit they deserve. So for some reason, women will connect with me and our movement. They've always been kinder and fair, but not white dudes. Mm. Seriously? Well, I will, I will just say the reason why I asked well, that question is because these dudes in power like Rogan, but Kim didn't need to do that. But look at her background, right? A mixed race family. She was very much against Zionism. She got it. And when she got me on, she thought she was going to get me on the invention of email and running for as a naturalized citizen. I got her over that. And then after that, she said, shit, this guy's for real. And, and then we connected. So I find a fascinating thing between women, women who get it, because women are the ones who created the 1920s movement. My mom was a fierce fighter. She came from nothing, Sabrina. Imagine a low caste Indian woman in the 40s getting a degree, unheard of. There's this wonderful picture of all these Indian Brahmin men and this little dark skinned Indian woman in the corner. Well, and, and I totally get it. The reason why I asked I, I asked that question is because it is not uncommon, uh, particularly in this space. And speaking from my own experience, is not un uncommon to not be invited on some of these larger shows. Jimmy was the exception. Jimmy brought on me. He brought on like my comrades over at Revolutionary Blackout Network when other people would not bring us on. Yeah. So he was the he was the exception. But what I'm saying is, it's not uncommon in this space for a lot of those larger channels to only bring on the approved, quote unquote. Uh, voices or the ones that have been, you know, recommended by a friend. So I, what I, I don't want you to feel like you're being singled no, no, out. No, no, Sabrina, is you have to understand where I'm at. You know, we have our own infrastructure. I've donated our own data center. We reach people directly. So if these guys want to have on, great. If they don't have, it's I, I don't even view them as something we beg to anymore. We're way beyond that after the last three years. But what I value are ind truly independent, small podcasters, small or mid-large, you know, and I want to give my views to them because what's fascinating is, and they're from all different backgrounds. And I find that group of people truly the new independent news network, because if you look at the Rogans, the Russell Brands, you know, the Shapiro, all these people are just part of the new neo media cabal, right? Um, and these influencers, as you know, get paid money on the back end right. for agencies, right? So they are in some ways worse than the old legacy media because they can be controlled and consolidated in very powerful ways. The future is offline and the future is truly independent people. So, you know, um, that's so, you know, that's where I'm at. You know, so I've never none of these people have ever given me anything, Sabrina. So I don't expect them at the age of 59. They didn't give me anything when I was four years old. Why should I? But you know who's helped me was everyday working people, period. And that's that's who my, uh, you know, when I created the first email system, the women were my customers. The doctors in that medical school in Newark used to treat them like dirt, but they gave me great ideas. They were my customers. So to me, working people, everyday people are the people who are my heroes because that's where I come from. And we need to honor them. And the movement must be built on them, not on these other people, because they go with the wind, man. If it's they get views, they'll do it. If they not, they're too flaky. They can't. I hear you. 
Well, Dr. Shiva, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just, I have a time crunch, but thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, please be sure to visit Dr. Shiva's website too. Eric, can you put the link to that in the chat as well so people can see it? The two things I just want to say, Kim, is everyone should go to Shiva for president. Everyone works, get a bumper sticker, put it on the back of your car. Those of you who want to be a little more active, right? You can, we've opened sources. You can download this flyer, hand it out to as many people as you want, Okay. And it'll force you to have a conversation with people. Those are the two things people can do, Sabrina. It's getting on the ground and really starting to honor and value your neighbors, the people who work for a living and, and build those connections. You know? And anyone out there who wants to do you know, our independent, truly independent podcasters, you know, I want to support that. But uh, thanks, Sabrina. You're, you're awesome. I'm glad we had this conversation. Thank you so much. Be well. Okay, everyone, that was my conversation with Sabrina. She's a local, um, uh, very uh, honest questions we had. And so uh, everyone be aware that um, you can go to shivaforpresident.com. There's a bumper sticker. What's amazing, as I kept mentioning over and over again, this bumper sticker allows you to become your own walking billboard. Use the back of your car or get these flyers at shivaforpresident.com and hand them out to as many people as you want. Um, Let's see if there's any questions. Okay, people are saying Sabi is great. Thanks, Sabrina. Uh, great. Uh, Bear in the chat. Excellent. And always talk to you both. All right, guys, look, get on the ground um, and become a truth, freedom, and health warrior. The only way we change this is not relying on them, not waiting for these freaking people to do anything. It's going to be us building the movement bottoms up. So it's really about you. And the great thing is we've created the entire infrastructure of Truth, Freedom, Health. Our run for office, political office, gives everyone the opportunity to participate. So go to Shiva for president. Volunteer. If you want to donate, great. But when you donate, I give you lots of gifts to support your educational process. But remember, there will be no movement without the right political framework. And that framework, that theory, the science we built at truthfreedomhealth.com, and let me play that video to inspire you guys to get off your butts and get educated or you'll continue to be enslaved. You have to learn uh, the laws and the physics and we've made it easy. So let me play this for you as we sign off and I'll be right back uh, to say goodbye. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to, and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that, and that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing, there's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. 
My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We got to train people first with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right-wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms-up movement, and that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaign's expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com.
All right, everyone, as we sign off uh, tonight, remember every Thursdays at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., I do a long day, uh, two, three-hour sessions, open house. Again, it's all about educating people uh, and building our movement. So just remember, there's no one else going to come to save us. It's up to us. Uh, we've created a wonderful infrastructure, Truth, Freedom, Health, to educate the world. And our movement is growing. Um, and all of you can be part of it. And it's really up for you to decide what you want to do, but recognize that the obvious and not so obvious establishment have no interest in advancing our interests. Their interest is to keep us on our butts and watching them and being entertained by them. So if you're serious about what you've seen and you're and you really understand the fact that the lesser of two evils, you know, is killing your children, that graph, look at that graph, right? Um, the life expectancy of Americans is going the other way. And so, and this is not something that happened overnight. It's been going on for 60, 70 years. And if you really reflect on that graph and you think about it, there's no way out of this, but a systems overhaul. And a systems overhaul is not gonna uh, come by tweaking little things. We need to go down to the root cause. And that's what um, I've been able to uncover over the last 50 years of my work and research. We put that into a curriculum, we have training, but we've created most importantly, a powerful movement. So. Uh, become part of this, right? You'll meet amazing people. It'll transform your life. It'll give you an opportunity to become a leader. So you become the hero. So you're not asking stupid questions like, oh, what is Trump going to do? What do you think is going to happen with this indictment? Who the fuck cares? These people don't give a fuck about you. All right. It's time that we unite with people who care about us. And we look back at history and we recognize it is movements, but movements built on the right theory, not like using the word movement and using the word revolution as vaporware. It's actually movements that are built on these fundamental uh, physics. And that's what we've done. So get involved, be the light, be well, and 